Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode six. My name is six. I thought you wrote it in binary, Ross. One hundred and ten. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, Mr. Ross McQueen. That's what she said. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. I, you know what? I, I really enjoy your intros because Brett always gets this <laughs> confused look. Goes, what? What's going on? I know. And then when I say hey, hey, he gets even more confused. Wait, that's the usual one. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. We've, we've got a, a big show, we but do. maybe a short show. Maybe. Maybe a short show. Like mm. last week's short show. Well, I think to make up for last week's not so short show. Mm. And we might get drowned out by the guitars at any minute yeah, this see, week. So. They, they do love to do a bit of rehearsing out there. They do. We've got Tom Elliott to, to come in a couple of weeks ago. We said uh, we need him to talk about the writer's strike in America. And he has come in to talk about the writer's strike in America. We'll be talking to him after the news We've got two more shows in the fall season, Kane and Aliens in America. Uh, going to talk about the election. We've got the answer to last week's quiz and the winners of that quiz. Going to finish... With- Brett will be very happy to see quiz in the rundown this week. Yes, he yeah. will. Well, I, 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 yes, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise the show was quite that short. <laughs> <laughs> Going to finish it off with pork, but as always, let's kick things off with the box cutters news. And now for the news. And first with the ABC dummy spit. Brett Cropley. The AFI Awards are coming up, but uh, the um, attendance may be a bit light on this year um, after ABC TV has announced that it won't be uh, providing for any of uh, their content producers to go along to the awards. um, Why not? After the AFI essentially snubbed the TV category. Um, they've uh, cut it down to uh, just uh, a few of the categories and uh, all the rest are on the dinner the night before, uh, which means that it's not actually going to uh, be on air on the presentation on Channel 9 when it comes up. It's uh, ridiculous. Oh, on whose side? Uh, well, I think, you know what, I think it's ridiculous on, on both sides. I think the AFIs uh, have always been a great awards night for, for television. It was, uh, you know, a, a nice little antidote to the Logies. This was a, a peer uh, a peer voted awards night. Yeah, they're peer voted. By AFI members? By uh, AFI members. And anybody can become an AFI member. That's right. As you, long you as could, they pay. Yeah. You could become an I AFI member. I have been an AFI member. As have I. Uh, the uh, yeah, so so it's a it's a peer peer nominated peer voted awards night, unlike a large majority of the TV Week Logie Awards, uh, which we've talked about at length on the show, and uh, and so so, so AFI has always had that going for it, and has always been kind of this defender of of television the, the way I've seen it. Uh, so I think ridiculous to to split them up, especially when. Uh, there isn't a, a great amount of Australian film to, to carry through an entire night of awards. Uh, but also, ridiculous on, on behalf of the ABC. I mean, clearly, there are still some television awards going to be going to be shown on the night. 
uh, and also an awards an award. Maybe they just figured that they'd uh, reflect the audience a little more. Nobody's going to be watching, so they figure they might as well not go. Well, sure. And did you say Channel Nine are going to be showing it? Yes. Oh, they really are hard up for content. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it going to start at like eleven pm? Um, I assume this one will be uh, on time. Okay. They they generally take uh, the special events a bit more seriously. Yeah, but this is the AFI awards. <laughs> no, no, seriously, is it? I my my bet at this early stage would be it'll be on at eleven. Well, the thing is, it's it's so late in the year after uh, Crocodile Dundee three. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so late in the year. I think uh, I think people are either you know it'd make a nice follow on from the cricket. Yep, I think that's how it's going to work. Yep. Any any further news on uh, on ABC's dummy spit? Uh, I, I also think it, it really does just seem like a dummy spit. Kim Dalton, the uh, ABC Director of Television, said that the decision was made with no consultation. The AFI alone has selected those they believe are the highest profile faces to attend the broadcast, while other members of the team do not receive an invite to the dinner broadcast. So is, is this more about who got invited to the broadcast rather than the actual awards that are going to be shown at the, at the broadcast? Uh, well, they get to view the broadcast on a large screen somewhere else. Right. <laughs> but it anyway, says, as we all know... Provided Channel 9 show it, anybody's got that option, surely. <laughs> says, we all know making TV is a team effort. Maybe CTV cannot support this move, which favours some over others. Oh, well... So it's, it's it's the fair play aspect of the public service, I guess. Well, that's true. I mean, ABC traditionally have always had uh, tables right up the back as well at the AFI Awards. Uh, which has always made for a very long walk to to come and get the the awards because they they win a lot of awards as well. Maybe it's Channel Nine's payback after ABC uh, crews spent so little time on Laurie Oaks during the uh, Great No Worm debate. Uh, what? <laughs> Didn't you hear about that? Scandal? No, that uh, that there Laurie Oaks was suspiciously absent from most of the shots. Uh, during the debate, uh, really? I thought he, I thought he had plenty of airtime when he was asking his question, like all the other journos. Did. Yeah, but you know the response shots—they they kept away from him. Well, not everyone's got a widescreen television, Brad. <laughs> Ross, what have you got? Well, speaking of the ABC, Virginia Trioli has quit her radio gig on the ABC to expand her role in television. Now, rumour has it she may be taking over Media Watch, mm-hmm. but I suspect she's actually going to take over Backchat. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'd be yeah. good. Is that still on? No. no. Oh, really? Hasn't been on for pretty much. I think when uh, when DJ and the Late Show stopped right. airing, Backchat stopped airing. Right. So, she's going to revive Backchat. Oh, that'd be excellent. Mm. Um, of course, she does uh, the Sunday Arts program and uh, sometimes fills in on Late Line. Mm-hmm. Uh, already on ABC. Well, TV. she does. She does every Friday on Lightline, uh, and fills in sporadically. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what she does. Uh, one would assume she, she's expressed a lot of interest in doing Media Watch in the past, uh, and of course, as we speak, Monica Attard's doing her last show, or it's going to air yep. as we speak. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And I, I have to say, the last say the last two months of Media Watch have been quite poor as as far as excitement value goes. Didn't I call that like a year ago? <laughs> no, Brett. <laughs> this is where we have the fundamental issue. 
He's talking about the last two weeks. You can't say a year ago, well, two weeks at the end of October and the start of November are going to be no, poor. I, I said that uh, the new ABC policy about uh, fairness and balance would be the death knell of Media Watch. Yeah, but I'm, yes, I'm saying that it started, it's, it started a lot better than it finished. That's, I, I think at the beginning of this year, Media Watch was a lot better than it is now. But the big question, do you have a problem yeah. with Virginia Trioli? Yeah. It's, what, you, what's, what's your issue what's with Virginia? Gonna, do I... An issue with Virginia? No, not at all. You, you know I wish she was back on uh, radio in Melbourne, but okay. uh, that's not likely to happen given that ABC just Radio's, radio. ABC Radio's <laughs> management's uh, campaign to completely dumb down the radio airwaves. Right. But, but you have no problem with her? You, you no, think no, not at all. I enjoyed good, her when she did uh, Afternoons. She'd be a, good, uh, media watch, be a good media watch host. What do you think of her on Lateline? I don't see her much on Lateline, but I do enjoy her on Insiders. You know, uh, you know what I find really off-putting in Lateline, and uh, it must be a kind of a, a requirement of the show because Tony Jones does it as well. They always refer to their guests by name, constantly, like when they're interviewing them. Uh, so you know, so the question would be, and so Brett Cropley, what do you think of Virginia Trioli? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's interesting, Brett Cropley, because I have here <laughs> that you have said Brett Cropley, like it's it's constant. I've al- I've always thought they did it on late line, like they started to do it on late line when they had uh, just three people on three different televisions. Yes, uh, and that made it clear who the question was to. Yes, because the the people answering the questions can't actually see what's happening in the studio. Yeah. Uh, can't see what television the yes, Kerry yes. looking at. Well, at the yeah. time, Kerry O'Brien was yeah. looking at. Uh, but, but but they do it on a one-on-one interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's followed through, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very strange. I just find it very off-putting. But it's it's for people who join them partway through the conversation. Really? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah, but, it, it but, probably but, it probably has. Yeah, but, wait, wait, but, wait. But, it probably has more that. of a tradition for an ABC radio because you do get more kind of listeners. Partway through except on that, the radio, except that with television you can put a super up there to that, say we're talking to the finance that's minister. True, and also, I mean, that's going to work for a small percentage of their guests. But if they're interviewing some panelists from overseas about global warming, you could say his name twenty million times. People aren't going to know who he is by that. But that's the true. I'd rather ones probably so. will. So if, some if panelists from overseas on global warming. <laughs> what do you think of if, if they're like a, a content uh, expert in yeah. their fields? Then then intelligent people probably will be aware of who this person is called. So so, so maybe the <laughs> dolphin. <laughs> maybe host should say so. Brett Cropley, expert in television and special subject media watch. What do you think of Virginia Trolley? No, because that's just dumbing it down further. And, Which uh, is what, that's what Jeffrey TV Robertson does on radio. hypotheticals. <laughs> Uh, so, so we're wanting to dumb it up. <laughs> no, smarten it up. <laughs> ah, smarten up. Right. <laughs> Speaking of uh, things that are a little off-putting, uh, Channel 9 has just bought a swag of UK shows. Oh, uh, we won't be watching those. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the well we is, might. We won't talk about them. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I'd be quite prepared to if, if they were good. And, and one, of them, one of them is. One is uh, Life in Cold Blood, which is the, the final on the, of the David Attenborough Life on Earth series. Okay. Have they got that Billy Piper piece of crap? <laughs> uh, the, Secret Diary of a Cool Girl. The, the Billy Piper plays a hooker show? No, they don't. They've got, yes, they do. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Do they? Yeah. Maybe they bought that before. Yeah, I, I thought uh, it was part of that media release, but they, they, do defi- they do definitely have that one. Yeah, well, they're on a winner there. Uh, they've, <laughs> they've also got uh, Series 3 of the excellent Hotel Babylon. <laughs> Fantastic series. Series two of the 
Oh my god, look at those special effects, Primeval. Right. So, uh, so these are these are shows that they've had in the past. A lot yeah, okay. yeah. But uh, one that they haven't had in the past is Rock Rivals, which is the new series. It's a wrestling by show. Simon Cowell. No, it's not. Oh. It's not rock and roll wrestling. Uh, and it's not. It's so, not just rivals of the rock. So it's the talent contest. Wrestling. Another one. It is. It is another talent contest. They say will mesh drama and audience voting uh, for what could only be. Uh, switch it off now. I, Simon Cowell and I hate to say it, but uh, uh, thingo survivor guy, um, uh, Mark Burnett. Mark Burnett. Uh, they should just both stop. S- stop. Th- they've got plenty of money. Stop thinking any idea that you have is a good idea. Yeah, I think, and and you know what, networks stop thinking that any idea they pitch you, yeah, yeah. is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark Burnett has had. His fair share of really good shows. Yeah. Uh, the the two that I'm thinking of in particular are Survivor and The Contender. And as I said last week, this this most recent series of The Contender is excellent mm. uh, and seemingly quite cheap to make. Mm. Uh, the uh, but his strike rate is going down and down with every show he, he with every new show he comes up with. What what did you have against Pirate Island? <laughs> Pirate Master. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So are these the shows that uh, David Gingell's just uh, signed up to? Yes, and uh, and and while we're on nine, David Gingell has uh, has has also put uh, his old mate back in charge of the uh, Sydney Footy Burns, Show. Yes, yeah, Scott Burns. Uh, so, Mister Burns. So I'm I'm starting to think, you, you know, <laughs> so Fatty Vorton's not going anymore. No. Yes. And I I started to think, you, you know, when we spoke to James, I said, oh, when I heard Gingell was coming back, it was like the band was getting back together. And it really is like the band is getting back together, but now I, it, it just makes me feel a little bit like, uh, you know, when, when you see Fleetwood Mac tour, <laughs> and it just it's just a little bit wrong, doesn't really work, and uh, and they can't really sing that well anymore. Mm. Uh, that's what that's what this feels like now. They, mm. They've all got their noses a little bit destroyed by by so too much cocaine. The they witch? can't hit the notes properly. <laughs> I think I'm speaking about Fleetwood Mac there. <laughs> Go on. No, that's it. I'm done. I, that's I just it. I I can't see that they're moving to the future rather than backpedaling and trying to capture what they what they once lost. Well, you say that now, but wait until uh, Diary of a Hooker hits the screen <laughs> <laughs> in a double with Hotel Babylon. Yeah. Fantastic. A uh, TV station co-owned by News Corporation, uh, located in the former Russian state of Georgia, has been demolished by state police. There's been a bit of uh, political turbulence over in Georgia, and uh, I'd heard that uh, basically everything apart from two state-run media organisations had been shut down, um, but they've actually destroyed the building. Uh, News Corp's European chief described the act as totally outrageous for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Have they destroyed the buildings that they can sell? Like, what are they? Are they just trying to no, no, rape it for copper? Or no, it's a political uh, chop out any any dissenting views um, available for the populace. But, but couldn't they just switch it off? Well, what's to stop somebody switching switching it back on? It does. It, it, it does. It is a good way to make sure nobody does broadcast out of there what happens that's, that's the, uh, the, it is a very good way to make sure of that <laughs> what happened at the tv station called amedi amedi 
MED, uh, was that special forces had stormed the station on Wednesday night last week, forcing staff to the floor, holding guns to their head before smashing all the equipment. Uh, they had 200 uh, troops or special police or whatever um, going in there. They didn't serve any papers. They didn't say why they were there. Uh, nobody has any idea who gave them authorization, uh, but they're assuming it was somebody in the government. That really, you know, I think that's the Georgian government just going, you know what, Hugo Chavez? You may have just tried to shut down Radio Caracas Television. Look at what we can do. We can do, do it better. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's um, all it is. Which it's is a- quite interesting politically that, that George is heading back that way. Vladimir Putin has been uh, kind of carrying out similar shenanigans um, over the last few months. Uh, interesting kind of hotspot on the globe. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the looks of it. I especially don't like the looks of it for, for television. There were some great shows coming out of Georgia. <laughs> I'm guessing uh, it's got to be better than Hotel Babylon. Uh, speaking of tyrants, uh, according to Kyle Sanderland, uh, Big Brother 08 <laughs> is set to have. Uh, it's set to revive. It's uh, up late. No, uncut. Uncut. It's uncut. Are show. they set to do it? Or has he just come out and bitched about, oh, well, Uncut should be back on and John Howard's a tool because he never watched the show anyway? The, the quote from Howard was, uh, I... Uh, you actually cut it out of the paper? I did. <laughs> I know John Howard... Howard? No, no. The, the quote from Sandalance. I know John Howard did the classic old person thing and freaked out about it when he'd never seen it, Sandalance said. He would never watch that short, sort of show. You can tell just by looking at him. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of genius commentary that we can expect on... The whole series of Big Brother well, next and, year. And the thing is, I can imagine that Carl Sanderlands is exactly the sort of person who would want to host Big Brother Uncut, mm. whereas Gretel always hosted it with some terrible disdain yes. out of, out of concre- well, contractual... Uh, they, they got in trouble over a couple of years, and I think that the year after they first got in trouble, she was definitely playing down the kind of risqueness of... of the show. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking. I'm know. talking more than playing down the risk gainers. And, and before that started happening, she was. Yeah, he's another bit of smut. That yeah, was, she she was never particularly effervescent during it. <laughs> Whereas uh, I really think Carl Sandler's all up for yeah. presenting that. I, yeah, I really think Carl Oh, Sandler's, look at this one. You see her boobs. If he, uh, who's I, the I think, bigger bogan there? I think mm. if he could, he would bring back. Uh, Australia's naughtiest home videos for for mm. those fifteen minutes that didn't get aired. <laughs> he he also said uh, in that interview, uh, "I'm an asshole, but I'm not as much of an asshole as everyone thinks." So, uh, well, I would, make I, make of that. I also read today that uh, he made a call to Nova to apologise to Dave Hughes over yeah that, that threatening that, to to um, punch him in the throat and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, that was in that, and he rang somebody else who had a feud with or something. Mm. I think he's trying to. Uh, I think he's trying to soften his image. Maybe he's got some terminal disease that he he doesn't want to leave unsettled. I don't think Bogan Tourette's is a terminal <laughs> disease, Brett. Uh, I have lost my next news item. Oops. Well, jumping right into that gap. Uh, <laughs> Paul Feig? Feig? How do you say that? It's F-E-I-G. Might be Feig? Feig. Feig? No, no, no. It's it's an American name, so they would would say the last syllable. I, 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 I should I should have asked Catbrain before we went on air. I think it'll be she. She feg. always corrects our. I think it'll be Feig. The same way they say her. instead of saying Craig, they say Craig. Craig. I feg. think it'll be Feig. It's like eight with the letter F put in front of it and the T taken off it. Ah, right. Of course. Which is why I thought maybe Feig. 
it, it is like that, but also without the H. So, it? so yes, it is. Uh, so, Paul yeah. Fate is uh, <laughs> set to direct uh, the uh, the Kath and Kim pilot episode. Uh, Paul, of course, was the co-creator of Freaks and Geeks. Of course. And has directed uh, The Office, Arrested Development, uh, Mad Men, lots of other shows. So that'll be interesting. So he's if you like Arrested Development, you're going to like the Kath and Kim pilot. Well, the thing is, the thing is, he is, he is a great talent. Uh, the work he did with Judd Apatow on, uh, on Freaks and Geeks was, was excellent. Uh, and, and with that kind of... Uh, that road that he's travelled through The Office and Arrested Development... He clearly knows comedy and uh, and he knows how to get it working. Uh, what I find, what, what I'm going to find interesting is is to see how they adapt it, and that uh, actually brings me to to the news item that that I'd lost previously. Mm-hmm. That's the uh, director of Spaced, whose uh, name didn't get printed out on my on my sheet, unfortunately. But the the original director of of Spaced has written uh, on his MySpace blog uh, how much he is not looking forward to the US version of Spaced, can't understand why it's happening, uh, can't understand why they would have given control of it to McGee. Uh, he's calling it McSpaced. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and, and none of the original, uh, the re- original people who were involved in Spaced have anything to do with this US version. Unlike, really? Yeah. Really? That's amazing. So this guy's still on Facebook. <laughs> not Facebook, no, MySpace. MySpace. He hasn't moved over to Facebook. Has yet. not moved over to Facebook. Oh. Well, he might oh. have, but maybe he just likes the intrusive, loud music that plays. He, he, you needs, go to his he needs to step up to Smacker. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> Is that the new thing? Yeah. Uh, this does he does he have anything? So he doesn't have anything to do with. He has he has nothing to do with it. He wasn't asked uh, asked about it, and uh, and the way uh, is he getting residuals. No, no, no. He he gets he gets no residuals from it, but he also gets no residuals from uh, from Spaced, uh, which is partly how the industry works in the UK, uh, and uh, and partly also he says I was I was young, I was dumb, and the industry's a con. So right. you know it's all it's all part and parcel with that. Uh, but but I find it I find it interesting that after having so much success with the American version of The Office. Uh, with uh, Gervais and Marchant in there, working on scripts with them and uh, and working on storylines, that they wouldn't try to do the same thing with space, so that they could try to get the same feel of it. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going to be a, another case of uh, men behaving badly. If you remember the American version of that, mm. uh, Dear John, or any number of the no, Dear John, Dear John was great, but the UK one was much better. Yeah. Don't remember the UK one. No, Doctor, Doctor Doctor was pretty good too. That was on. Late at night, near, what was, near Dear John's time, and and was was that a remake of anything British? No, they, were, like, they were on uh, one after the other. Danger Mouse, that was a good show. Nineteen ninety two. They used to show that before Thunderbirds. You know what else was <laughs> Danger Mouse? <laughs> that was a good show too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that leads me to to a quiz question that I'll have to hold on to for for another week. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and that the box cutters news. Thank you. Hi, it's Pete Smith. They're not really naughty boys. They're just box cutters going about their business. A couple of weeks ago on the show when we were talking about who could shed some light on what's happening with the Writers Guild in America and uh, and television shows, only one name came to mind. That name was box cutters resident, man who knows things about stuff, <laughs> Tom Elliott. Thank you very much, Joss. Hey, Josh. 
Josh Stick. He, he's right, though. Whenever we don't understand a topic, we think, oh, we have to get Tom in, no matter what the topic. It's, it's always, it's always got to be you, Tom, because you know how the world works. Well, this is a topic that has all sorts of things. It's got drama. It's got emotion. At the core of it, it's got money. And we are, of course, talking about the strike by the Writers Guild mm-hmm. against the American Motion Picture Producers uh, Academy, I think it's called. No, wait a minute. I'll get that right. Uh, American Motion Pictures television producers so there you go now the thing is with this it's like many strikes and the last one interestingly was 19 years ago 1988 and the writers guild did a deal which they thought at the time was quite clever but they didn't bank on the looming popularity of dvds because the dvd in 1988 was not much more than an idea in someone's mind Mm -hmm. and so what the uh what the motion picture people did was they segmented all the revenue from different sorts of sales films tv uh, etc soundtracks and so forth and they put a lot into this other box. And, of course, other became DVDs. DVDs became very popular throughout the 90s. And the writers felt that they were missing out on a lot of the revenue. So here we are 19 years later, and they've just picked this moment to have a strike. And interestingly, I mean, it's a heavily unionised industry in the sense that the Writers Guild really is a guild. And there's talk at the moment of trying to get British writers to come over from the UK to fill in. And you know the Americans are saying you'll be a scab, you'll never work in this town again. So you know it's got a lot, uh, a lot in common with, uh, of course, what happened on the uh, the docks here in Melbourne, uh, you know, ten years ago, or with the French pilots coming in during the pilots dispute. That's right, in 1989, uh, the the Shearer strike in the 1950s. The 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 interesting thing there is that uh, the the natural course, or what seems to be the most obvious course, is that you'd go to Canada. If you were the US, you'd go to Canada for their writers. But I think um, the Canadian Writers Guild have stood firm with the American Writers Guild. I was going to ask Tom, is there a British... Because I know the Australian Writers Guild has warned any Australians, members or not, not to go over. Yes, that's right. I've read that. Uh, The Canadians are at one with the Americans on this, one of the few things they do see eye to eye on. So the issue is, I mean, are the writers being greedy or are the people who produce the pictures being greedy? Interestingly, one needs to look at the actors who, in a sense, apart from the audience, are caught in between the two. They are largely starting to side with the writers. Mm. You know, uh, Eva Longoria of uh, Desperate Housewives is buying them pizzas and, you know, (laughs) standing on picket lines with them. I suspect that the presence of television cameras isn't hurting that. (laughs) Um, And shows like Desperate Housewives, 24 has been stopped mid uh, by about episode 16, I believe, and uh, because they want... The show to uh, to be continuous when it's played next year. They're just going to delay the um, the uh, broadcast of it. Uh, in the yeah, they're, they're looking at they're looking at maybe uh, having it air in spring in in the US. And if the writer's strike isn't resolved by then, then just holding it off until uh, next fall season. And the final scrubs may not be the final scrubs. There may only be twelve episodes where they've uh, planned fourteen. Lost the, uh, series, Lost series four, the US version of The Office, um, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, all these shows, and now, uh, and also uh, Cashmere Mafia, which was slated to air on the twenty seventh of November, has now been pushed back entirely, uh, so that it can fill in the gaps that that are going to be left by the shows that are just going to stop halfway. And of course, the late night uh, talk shows, Jay Leno, etc., all all just been taken off here. So the issue is. Even if it was solved right now, it wouldn't solve the programming problem because television production works on such a tight schedule. Um, I think the writers are going to hang out. Now, normally what happens in strikes is that one party has deeper pockets than the other. So not just strikes, but also the entry of uh, you know, new, new entrants into markets. So, for instance, with airlines, you know, whenever a new airline tried to come to Australia, Qantas typically cut the fares until they just went broke and went away, e.g. Compass, Marks mm-hmm. 1 and 2 here in Australia. <laughs> 
um, in the in the dock strike here in Melbourne. I mean, Patrick Corporation, or then Langcorp as it was called, simply waited the strikers out. They were able to get uh, scab labourers in from the Middle East and various other places to keep the ports open to a, to a small extent. Um, and what is interesting about this is that although individually the writers apparently, of course, are losing money and they're struggling, the big uh, motion picture houses who have to keep paying their actors, many of whom are on contracts, are actually the ones losing the big, big, big money. And the writers actually feel this time that they are onto something, that they will be able to cut for themselves a much, much better deal than what they've done before. But until that's agreed, I mean, no one is going to go back to work. So how did it work before 1988? You said at the start that uh, in 1988, the, the writers cut themselves a deal and they thought it was a good deal, but it ended up not being as good because of the releases of DVDs. From what I understand, typically these things get renegotiated when technology changes. So at the moment, if you um, look at uh, music publishing, and I spoke to uh, David Vodica about Rubber Records about this, you know, they're starting to carve out digital rights as a separate thing, you know, from written music, performed music, recorded music, and so forth, for, with the obvious reason that, you know, that is the way people are listening to music. Mm-hmm. Downloads are starting to be treated as a separate sort of sale than to say album or single sales or whatever. And so that's technology moving on. What I gather happens with the writers, it's the same sort of thing, that in 1988, it was a late response to VHS video, which, of course, you know, the video wars had started in the late 70s, and that was mm-hmm. when video became a sort of a household item. So here we are a good 15 years after DVDs really hit the mainstream, probably 10 years at least, and they're just finally realising that they need to do a better deal. And probably what will happen is in another 10 or 15 years, there will be a new form of publishing, whether it's um, legal downloads off the internet or whatever, that they'll be arguing over that time again. So this time it's allegedly mainly about DVDs. And why wouldn't they just negotiate a deal for themselves where they say, we, we get paid up front for, for a certain amount, and then we get a percentage of any sales. So that's any international sales, any, any uh, domestic sales, any media sales at all. They could well do that. But the point is, is that the, the motion picture producers don't want to do those sorts of deals. Because if you think about it, if they own the film and a new form of distribution, let's assume it's a film, comes up that they haven't thought of, then if they've given up all the sales irrespective of the medium, then there's no incentive for them to pursue a new you know, a new channel of distribution. Whereas if they can say, well, you define each of the channels and we'll decide. And also, different channels have different costs of distribution. I mean, you know, if, if books ever became completely electronic, you know, you, you would do a different deal than what you would for a printed one because a printed one costs a lot more to produce. And it's the mm-hmm. same It's the same with uh, movies. I mean, you're now seeing, you know, digital screens taking the place of the old uh, movie reels and they're a lot cheaper to transmit. And so films can be shown in far more cinemas. So the the, the motion picture group will, will, never, will never do a deal that just says we will give you a blanket share of all revenue because it's not in their interest to do so. And uh, what about the... I, I know that there's an argument going around the states at the moment. There was an article in the New York Times about six months ago about it and uh, where the whole concept of residuals is just flawed, uh, that uh, writers shouldn't look for residuals, uh, artists shouldn't look for, for, for residuals in, in what they're doing. They should look to get paid for the work that they do uh, and obviously get paid handsomely mm. for, for the work that they do. Uh, and then move on to, to new projects. Well, look, here in Australia, we're having a debate at the moment. So I, I think in Europe now, if you produce a piece of, um, of uh, uh, p- uh, produced art, like a painting or something, they're now saying every time it's sold, you get a, a proportion of the sale proceeds in perpetuity. 
and, and that's like an, that's like you know getting a, a few cents in the kitty every time your song's played on the radio, for mm. example. Um, so we're just seeing. Uh, I mean, if, if you know, if if I go and do something creative for, uh, well, as I have the Nine Network, for example. I don't own any of it. I, the contract says that no matter what, it's all theirs. But there's no reason it has to be that way. You know, if I'm Eddie Maguire in his sort of halcyon days, you know, I'll say, well, actually, maybe I own a chunk of that. And if you, you know, maybe syndicate it to other markets, I should get an extra chunk of it. So there's, there's no hard and fast rules about what you can and can't do. It's the writers waking up to the idea that there's, there's been a whole world of new distribution possibilities that they haven't caught up with. And they see that other people are making money, and they just want some of it, and that is fundamentally what it's about. And do you think it'll? There's any chance it will go on for eight months? Because uh, my understanding is that the Actors Guild are next on the list, and their agreement runs out on the uh, on the 30th of June. I would be surprised if it ran for eight months, because I mean, eight months shuts down. I mean, most individuals can't go eight months without working. Yep, uh, and it would destroy audiences for TV. Of course, having said that, the US. Uh, Baseball league, one of the baseball leagues, went on strike for an entire season once, and that was about six months. So it's not impossible, but my, my feeling would be that it wouldn't last that long. Okay. But then again, if it doesn't get done by Christmas, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, you just you just can't say it's who's prepared to buckle first. But uh, apparently, this time around, it's the it's the movie producers. I guess the other thing would be is if writers could be brought in from somewhere else just to sort of fill the job to keep things ticking over that might uh, increase the relative strength of the movie producers as opposed to the writers. But thus far, no one's actually doing that. Having said that, I mean, you know, what's to stop people writing stuff over the internet and just getting it out there and doing it anonymously? I mean, there'd be enough young writers out who I think would be prepared to do that. But isn't that... uh, I mean, that that would also be a a risk that they're taking, becoming known as scabs and and knowing that uh, today's, today's paid writers could be tomorrow's producers... Uh, and what are the chances that you know someone like that would end up uh, would end up hiring someone who who was known to be a scab and and doing them a disservice when they were trying to get more rights for well for you, you mentioned the one of, you mentioned the pilot strike of eighty nine I mean a lot of those pilots I know a couple never went back to work and uh, those that replaced them kept the jobs that they'd sort of as scabs had gone in and taken again there's just no hard and fast rules about this but it. I guess it will highlight to people who produce motion pictures how important writers are. But, you know, should writers really own a chunk of their work? I mean, John Travolta was one of the first actors to actually make sure that he, he was aware of his own uh, sort of pulling power even in his early 20s. And he, he owned uh, a right even to the soundtrack of Saturday Night Fever. And that set a new benchmark in Hollywood. And in fact, is the reason he's become such a wealthy person, even though for the next 15 years he did a lot of shit films <laughs> rather than any good ones. Uh, look, was talking. Was, that was around about the same time as uh, George Lucas realised the uh, potential for merchandise. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he, he made a lot more money out of that than he ever did out of people watching the film. So, you know, look, th- th- there's, a, there's a perfectly good moral argument that they should have a chunk of it, but when you've got actors taking such a massive chunk of movie revenues and, and, and DVDs and so forth up front, you know, the motion picture producers would just say that, well, there just isn't enough to go around. And, you know, writers, while creative, are only just a small part of the piece. I'm sure they don't see it that way. And uh, do you know what they're asking for? Are they asking for, for rights uh, for 
any future DVDs made? Or are they asking for, for retroactive rights? As no, well? they're not, not getting retrospective rights, but I understand they want a bigger chunk of revenues across all the different categories, and, and, and they do want what you're suggesting, which is if there are, if there are forms of distribution as yet unsort un of thought of, they want a chunk of that too. That is, they want the, the body of work that they produce in all its forms to provide revenue for them, as it does for the, uh, for the, the owners of the copyright of the overall picture. I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how it plays out. Well, I think, uh, you know, a whole summer of watching reruns, not just a summer, but the next six months of watching <laughs> reruns will, uh, well, it could have people wondering whether writers are worth paying more. Reruns and, and really dodgy new reality shows. Yes, that's the other thing, isn't it? I mean, you might say, without writers, this is what we get. And that's exactly what they'll be pushing. So, you know, that sort of thing will work to their advantage. And maybe it's an opportunity for Australian writers to uh, get some projects up and sell them into the US market. Uh, Ross says that uh, you'll be uh, getting in trouble for that. That's what the Writers Guild says. I didn't say they'd get no, in no, trouble No, no, I think the Writers Guild is saying if you no, go and work for a US TV show... Yeah, no, if we, ah. if we do, a, do a show here... A modern-day Henderson kids, for example, <laughs> flogging to the US. Who knows? They might get desperate. Well, everyone, get your pens out. Thanks very much, Tom. My pleasure. You, you have shed light once again. Yeah, hi, g'day. I'm Katrina Mathers, and I'm on the box cutters. How cool's that? <laughs> That's mega, mega cool. I'm enjoying the wedge on Friday nights on the Channel 10. Is that when it's on? 11 o'clock. In fact, it ran early uh, this week, just gone, uh, by by over 12 minutes. Really? Yeah. Ran, so it started early yeah. or, the, or it started on time and then they just didn't show the last 12 minutes of it. the content. No, no, it started early. So, so has it so, improved? So I had, I, I had it set to uh, record and um, came in midway. Has it improved or is it just because well, you know some of the cast now that... Uh, no, no I've, I've known some of the cast since it started. Um, I, I think that uh, there's a couple of new... Um, themes they're following that I, I've enjoyed. Right. And speaking, yeah. speaking of new themes, that brings us into uh, the two shows that we're looking at this week in the fall season. And uh, the, one is Kane and the other one is Aliens in America. We'll start with Kane. Kane is the story of a family called the Ewings. They live just outside <laughs> uh, Dallas in, in Texas. And they're, uh, they're up against uh, fellow oil family tycoons the barns can i just family? stop you there you've made a couple of mistakes yeah it's about a sugarcane family that's been that's been running and operating uh sugarcane fields for generations called, called the florida Ewings. right called the duques right right that's really all i have to say on this show it is it, it is dallas it's dallas all over again it, it's, it's got a little bit of uh the godfather uh yes yeah, a little bit not you a whole, think? yeah. Not a whole lot. I haven't seen any bags of oranges spilling yet. <laughs> that, that's right, because that's all the Godfather was. <laughs> that's, that's all it was. Just over and over again. It was an experimental <laughs> film from the nineteen seventies. You, you, uh, you don't see any. You don't see any kind of Cuban Godfa- Godfather in it. No, saying that um, that that uh, thing. Alex Vega is the Godfather. Or yeah, the, yeah, or possibly, the father but, is the good but, but more just that idea of you know the the business and uh, uh, illegal activities seeping into the uh, into the legal business and the son getting passed over for the other son, the blood son. Mm. Yeah, there's, the there's, son. there's a little bit, there's a little bit of that. But then again, in Dallas, there was the whole Jay Arvis as Bobby 
uh, rivalry as well with with those two brothers. Mm. Uh, I, I really just think it's a recreation of, of Dallas. Because the, the, yeah, the, so. the son that we're talking, the son that we're talking about, Alex Vega, uh, is played by Victor Sefuentes, who listeners might remember as Jimmy Smith. Uh, yeah, the, uh, he played Jimmy Smith in uh, in NYPD Blue. I yes, think. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he, who played Jimmy Smith in The West Wing? Uh, that was Alan Alder. All right. <laughs> and it gets very confusing. Gets very confusing. Uh, he plays the adopted son of uh, of a, a sugarcane magnate uh, who has who started... It's uh, Hector... Hector... Uh, uh, something El- or other. Elizondo. Elizondo. He's been in heaps you will You will recognise Hector Elizondo if you don't recognise his name. As Pancho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, so Hector Elizondo is, is the patriarch of this family. Uh, he has uh, three children plus uh, Boba Simone, uh, the, uh, the the adopted son, who, and who married his adoptive sister. Yes, yeah. uh, which is kind of wrong and, and kind of alright. <laughs> who cares? Uh, <laughs> it, it, would make, it makes it, it makes it less complicated. They yeah. both had the same parents. Mm. Yeah, they just followed on from playing doctors. They are uh, the, <laughs> the, the bathtub. <laughs> the family has moved into rum production and uh, and has uh, has sugarcane uh, in order to to produce rum. But then they find out cane, no sugar, is the new oil. Yes, mm. and uh, and there's been lots. Of, we're talking about ethanol uh, based fuel blends. There's been lots of uh, sugar is the new oil jokes, or there were lots of. Sugar is the new oil jokes on Letterman. Unfortunately, no more. Right. Moment. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I watched two episodes of uh, of Kane, and that was plenty for me. It's you know what if you, if you like if you like a good family struggle like interfamily struggle soap opera, mm-hmm. you will like Kane. If you, if there is like, obviously an audience out there for it. If you like lots of uh, hot Cuban bodies dancing in sweaty nightclubs and then fighting over sugar cane and then. <laughs> You, you might like it. You, you, you might like it. If if you've really enjoyed uh, a Bacardi rum ad in the last 10 years, you might like Kane. Mm. It is exceptionally dull. It really is. After all of the hype for this freaking thing, I, I had to fight falling asleep during the third episode. And I did. I, I do make sure to uh, give these three episodes ah. because I, I believe that's the formula that works. That's that's when you can tell. So you, you've given it three episodes. If, if you watch the third episode, you'll find half. Is a fantastic show <laughs> and Carpoolers and all the rest of it. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> no, no, Carpoolers stays consistent. No, no. Brett, last week he kept saying you had to watch the third episode of Carpoolers. <laughs> I, I did understand three episodes of Kane, and it just I was waiting for something to happen, and it just never did. Yeah, yeah, it's not no. great. Uh, on to Aliens in America, uh, which, which is about a dude with an alien head going to school and uh, feeling weird. Mm. At least from the first two minutes. Ah, you see, I was going to say, you've, uh, you've, watched, you've watched the first three minutes when you should have watched the first three episodes. No, I didn't watch the first three episodes. What's it's, it about, uh, It's about a, a family who decide to get a foreign exchange student uh, to, to live with them for uh, all sorts of reasons. I think money might be one of them. Uh, and to make the uh, and to, to make the popular. sun a, a little bit more popular. Uh, and uh, and so they think they're going to get some Swedish hottie. Uh, who's oh, a guy from London. I was oh, expecting oh, somebody oh, from London. Guys, guy from London. The pamphlet had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tall guy that and, uh, the mum had the hots for, clearly. And at the airport, they pick up a nerdy Pakistani. 
Muslim, which causes in a all. Dress. Well, no, in in Rose traditional yeah. traditional Muslim dress, hat. yeah, and uh, and one of those knitted hats, yeah. uh, and uh, that you see in uh, Aliens in America and Oz, mm. interestingly enough. Uh, and, I'm, wait, I'm uh, waiting for the geek son to have that little tiny beanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's a half hour comedy. Uh, that uh, talks about Justin Tolchuk. Well, Justin Tolchuk is this nerdy kid at high school. He's not very popular. He wears sandals all the time, and uh, and he has this uh, Muslim pal come to school with him. Everyone thinks he's a terrorist. Everyone, no one can remember he's from Pakistan. It's it's a lot about the uh, the ignorance of of Americans and and making fun of that. And it's set in the in the Midwest. It's in yes. Wisconsin. In a small town in Wisconsin. You'll find that is uh, the Mideast. Is it? Yeah, just, just a little geography lesson okay, for you. On. Yeah. Uh, in the country, anyway. Uh, Mideast, northeast, in fact. Uh, but yes, it's, it's, in, it's in a small town. Uh, probably no, no bigger I, than... Ohio's Midwest. It's west of Ohio, isn't it? Uh, I'm pretty sure Wisconsin is. Uh, is if is you've got north. a map of the. <laughs> <laughs> Email us. <laughs> Hooray at boxcutters.net. Anyway, it's a small town, probably no bigger than Dillon, Texas. And, uh, uh, and yeah, you know, it's, it's a cute little comedy. In fact, I would say the first three episodes are really tightly written. I think there are some great gags in the first three episodes. I'm, I'm getting nothing but silence from the two of you. <laughs> I was just—I I was expecting laughs, and I had nothing, I, not even a smile. Like it's—it's it's sweet enough, but they, there was nothing that made me think, "Oh, that's a bit funny." I was amazed that they could make it schmaltzy and unfunny, and try and do it in this new one camera. Not you know, it's 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 it's, it's a modern style. But this this is to me this is this is exactly like what's wrong with modern comedy. Like they've just they've, they've they're trying to do it in a Arrested Development kind of style, and they just don't get it. See, and and I think that there were some great jokes in, uh, particularly in the first three episodes. I've, I've watched six or, six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> These guys walk into a bar. And I've watched six or seven. And it was episodes. just so smulty and horrible. Like it when is, he does but- the. When he makes the speech over the intercom system about... For the lunch menu. Yeah. And on screen. Then says that he'd like to be naked on a desert island with his Pakistani thing, which he accidentally says because he meant to say he just wants to be friends with him. It was just... It was cloyingly annoying. Cute. I find it cute. And, and don't you think it's kind of preaching to, con- to the converted a little bit? Oh, it d- I definitely I mean, it's not going to win anybody over. If, if people think... Pakistanis are terrorists. All Pakistanis are terrorists, and they're not going to be won over by this show. They're, they're just not going to watch it. And no. and, and so it's kind of there's, there's something I found very smug about it. Like they're kind of like, <laughs> aren't we clever? I think it's more and uh, taking the piss out of aren't, out of aren't our fellow countrymen stupid rather than aren't we clever? But yeah, are we clever definitely... to see that our that our fellow countrymen well, are stupid? Well, yeah, isn't everybody in the big mid? West, Far East, <laughs> due South, idiots. There is that, and I think uh, I think come the sixth or seventh episode, it does start to. There's only been six. Uh, come, come the si- the yeah. sixth episode, uh, already it's a lot like season four of Mork and Mindy. They've <laughs> they've played out all of their ooh a stranger in a strange land uh, roles now, and and there's not 
not really anywhere for them to go. Yeah. Uh, which I'm finding interesting. But, uh, you know, in uh, in their corner, they have the writer's strike. So. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also stuff that doesn't quite fit, like the, the sister and her boyfriend problems and... The sister who's just turned into a hottie and, and yeah. the mother wants to dress up all the members of her family and make them all, uh, like... To, to me, that kind of felt like a different show. And they're kind of like, oh, well, this show about the exchange students a bit weak. Let's just shove on this other character. Well, yeah, and, and I, ha- I have to say that it does feel a lot like, like you said, they're taking aspects of different shows that have been successful and uh, and trying to put them together. It, it, it mm. is a little bit... Uh, well, it's it, it's a little bit Wonder Years, and it's a, a little bit My Name Is Earl, and it's uh, a little bit Malcolm in the Middle. Mm. But it doesn't have, and this is my big complaint about it is it doesn't have its own voice. Yeah. Uh, and that being said, I still think that there was some some really tightly written jokes in it. I think there's talent in that show. I don't think there's uh, any. Uh, any fuel in that engine, though? Yes, I think that's that's the biggest problem. Mm. And as we as we know, uh, sugar is the new oil. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Kane and Aliens in America. We're, we're actually drawing near the close of the the whole fall season. Close dregs. <laughs> it's been dregs from the start. <laughs> I I mean, it's been a pretty, couple. It's been a pretty terrible season. I I, but, I would say, with the exception of pushing daisies, there's been probably nothing. And See, even pushing and daisies, I, 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 I'll give it a few more episodes, but I'm not necessarily going to keep watching. And it. I'm still, I'm still really enjoying Chuck. And Brett, I have to say, your call on uh, Adam Baldwin and uh, and and the woman not being in Chuck past episode four. Well, that was what I read. Yeah, it was wrong. Hmm. <laughs> that was wrong. that was either IMDb or TV. But you know, but there might come a day when they're no longer on the show, and then I'll say, yes, I said it. I called it a year ago. I'm so uh, right. So next next week we're doing uh, a couple of big shows. Yes, and uh, and you know what? What made me think we're getting to the, the dregs of the uh, is because I was so excited about the full season to mm. to start with, as I am every full season. Oh, new shows! Can't wait, and. Uh, and and now because there's been so much, oh my god, do I have to watch that? <laughs> the, do, I, do I have to watch a second one, the, or in Brett's case, a third one? <laughs> there are there are three shows in the four that we have left yeah. that I haven't seen. And I'm just, oh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to waste my bandwidth on that. You see, but last year we had there was lots of shows to look forward to with the new fall season. Most of them turned out to be bad. I mean, you had Studio Sixty, you had that uh, that horrible coincidence one. Uh, from J.J. Abrams. No, no, the coincidence one. You had the nine as well, but the... Ah, uh, I can't even remember the, what it was, it, was it was almost like the nine, though. The, it, yeah. They were very similar. Yeah, but it was it was just about all these people who kept happening to run into each other in New York over and over and over the again. The six. Yeah. <laughs> degrees. <laughs> uh, six degrees. Six degrees. Well done, well done. Uh, and, and they all turned out to be shit, but then there was other shows that... Not much was expected of, like Heroes, like Friday Night Lights, which were great. This year, it didn't have the shows to look forward to, and the ones that did watch nothing good eventuated from them. I, I, I don't think the writers could have struck in a better year, <laughs> personally. <laughs> Box cutters. 
Now, I suppose you guys would have seen the election ads that Channel 7 are running, trying to get people to uh, tune in on election night. I, uh, you know what? Every time I see those ads, I just think of uh, of your description of what the, the Sunrise election coverage would be like yeah. and, uh, and crack up laughing. So uh, I haven't paid them much attention, I have to say. Well, I've got uh, Koshy, uh, Melissa Doyle, uh, Peter Beattie, Jeff Kennett. And uh, and a few other people, and I read during the week that it's actually going to be a, a, a serious look, but they're going to have some humour, and they can do that because it's coming from uh, people we trust. Really? Apparently so. People we trust. Apparently so. We trust Jeff Kennett and Peter Beatty. Well, is that what they're so. saying? Yeah, I think it's more that we trust Koshi and Mel. What about Denya? Is Denya going to do a? Uh... <laughs> A weather forecast is I, he going to be? Is he going to be the Anthony Green of Sunrise? No, I, I, he wasn't mentioned at Genia. all. So uh, is he still doing weather on on the show? Like is is he still on Sunrise? What else no, is he going to do? No, he's not doing. I don't think he's doing weather anymore. Uh, he he hosts the uh, Australia's Got Talent and a few other things. And he went last year. Yeah, it was, was early this year. year. It was early this year. The new season of. Something coming on shortly, and and he has been busy with the spring racing carnival. That's true, and, and he drives and, and <laughs> riding all those winners, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he drives cars too. Yes, I drive a car. Yeah, but Fast. he does it. He does I, it. I on still have track. time to do the weather on sunrise. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I think a little Channel Nine are a little bit scared by uh, by Channel Seven uh, putting their uh, feet in the election pool, uh, and and. It's the election leaking, poll. Election poll. Possibly leaking viewers. They've actually got uh, Charles Firth, one of the uh, founding Chaser. members really? of Chaser, coming founding, across. Founding and kicked out members of Chaser. Uh, coming across to. Uh, so are the Chaser doing nothing? Because I know that they wanted to do something. They were going to do, do the election uh, Chaser, leading, Chaser leading up to it. Yeah. They're doing. Uh, ABC have apparently uh, extended the run of shows for an extra three episodes. Which means that they, I think, will so we have get that thirty-second segment where you've got the two guys with the picture behind them. Well, yeah, and and they still uh, and they still get uh, a chance to show all of those pre-taped, uh, terrible Andrew Hansen sketches. So, so I think they're doing. I think they've got one, Ooh, one before and one after. Is my understanding right. for Chaser, but nothing on the actual night. Uh, yeah, so Charles Firth on the uh, joining uh, Ray Martin and Laurie Oaks on Channel Nine. See, that's, the, that's, that's their, interesting. That's why they're going to leak viewers. It's it's got nothing to do with having you know trying to get Charles Firth on to to stem that flow, uh, and it's got nothing to do with Koshi and Mel uh, being up against them. It's got everything to do with Ray Martin. Mm. The, you don't think people still like Ray? I don't. I don't think. Uh, you know, the, the people who like the election uh, are people who are, are either like us and, and like to see Anthony Green and like to see results and, and speculation and, and, and how mm. it's going. Uh, serious broadcast, but we have fun with it. Or they're people who, who are going to watch Sunrise. And I think Channel 9 have always uh, been, been there for the people who watched Sunrise uh, because those are also the people who like Ray Martin. Yeah, that's true. I think I think you might be right, and I I don't want to uh, want to say you're wrong necessarily. But channels two have said no fun with it. I don't know. They don't have fun with they've, it. They've come out and said they're definitely having no fun during their broadcast. Yeah, they don't have fun. That's with not it. fair nor balanced. We have fun with it. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but don't don't mistake uh, anything they're doing for fun because it, they, they've come out and said they won't. Uh, but they've. Got, I mean, I don't know how you can go past Kerry O'Brien, Tony Jones, Anthony Green, and uh, Michael Brissenden. 
as as a team. That I mean, is, that's that is a top team. Yeah, yeah. I wonder that's what fantastic. Sky. I wonder what Sky are going to have because they are, of course, Australia's election channel. Ah, right. That's, that's what they're saying. They are. I I, I heard that they were going to have. Uh, there was something about them, but they didn't have uh, which people were involved in the thing I read. But I'm sure it'll be uh, headed by uh, what's his name who hosted the debate. Uh, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Spears, David Spears. David Spears. Yes, very good, very good. Uh, just also quickly on the election, uh, I'd really like there to be a Nicole Corns reality show. <laughs> you know, Nicole Corns, the uh, the ALP have recruited her. She's going for a seat in Adelaide, and she's uh, she's married to uh, famous uh, famous AF- uh, ex footballer over there. Right, and uh, and she's just terrible. She has no like. I think they wanted they wanted him. Uh, I think Graham Corns maybe, but they wanted him as the candidate, and somehow ended up with her. And uh, and she's terrible. In her first media interview, she got the Liberals' uh, work choices policy mixed up with Labor's policy. Oh no! <laughs> I'd, I'd heard about that, but I hadn't heard the name. She's uh, yeah. She did a uh, walk through of a supermarket. Uh, no, a, a, you know, some kind of mall with uh, uh, with Rudd the other day and then Rudd had to leave and she was surrounded by reporters and asked questions and she was last seen fleeing at high yeah, speed running, saying, as- actually just running talk to my press officer <laughs> <laughs> I, I reckon a, a whole show about her would just it would just be fantastic she's the only uh, candidate who doesn't want any airtime and doesn't want any publicity so uh, yeah I think a whole show about her would be great I hope they're not throwing away a safe seat on her well no it was it, it's a liberal seat but uh, uh Everywhere else, she up against Dan or something. Everywhere yeah. else in South Australia, uh, the Labor are polling really well, but in her seat, <laughs> they're not polling so well. So yeah, that's that. That would be fun. Uh, as, as it's been so far, though, I have to say the election coverage has been a little bit boring. Mm. Well, I think the campaign's been a little bit boring. I think the people were ready for it the, to uh, the for, the, s- for the ballot itself to happen once the election uh, got called. Yeah, I think so. The Seinfeld campaign. As it's uh, yeah. as it's been called by yeah. Latham. by Mark Latham, he should go Who crawl goes? back under his rock. Mm. Yep. Okay, question three. Which yeah, canal? All these going to be about war? No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Last week on the show, we reviewed for the full season Reaper and Pushing Daisies. Now, there was some confusion over whether it was Reaper or The Reaper. Yeah, not a lot of confusion. Just a little bit of confusion. You can tell tell the difference because uh, Reaper, the TV show, doesn't have so much cowbell. Right. Fear the Reaper, more cowbell. I think that's the first Blue Oyster Cult <laughs> reference we've had on, yeah, uh, on, yeah. on Box Cutters. I, I'm aware of it more for uh, Christopher Walken's uh, right. sketch right. on Saturday Night Live. Uh, and so the answers to last week's quiz uh, were Reaper and Pushing Daisies. <laughs> uh, congratulations to Joel Rembach and Peter Wells, who both walk away with a crumpler something. We'll get in touch with you during the week. Uh, I'll be seeing Peter Wells tonight. <laughs> Right after the show, actually. Really? Yes. Well, do you want to go through the process, Brett, or do you want to just give it to him after the show? So I can just give it to him after the show. <laughs> right. I, I, I do also. Well done, Peter. I do also uh, want to assure listeners that uh, this is a random process of all 
correct entries received. If you have to say it, they're going to be thinking that it's not. But but it is, and I actually get I actually get other people to to be my barrel yeah, girls. Yeah. Sure, it is, Josh. It is. Sure, it is. Well, I don't know Peter Wells. Why but would I? That having been said, uh, keep entering. You've got good chances of winning. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do we have a quiz question this week? No. Because okay. no, we've already given something away. We have given. We have had away. a lucky winner. Congratulations to this week's winner, Tom Elliott. Tom Elliott. Tom Elliott, who walks away with uh, a crumpler, something or other. Uh, so yeah, uh, Peter, you'll uh, you'll be getting your crumpler thing after the show, and uh, Joel, I'll be in touch with you during the week. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. And uh, while we were talking about the election coverage, mm-hmm. did anyone see on the Insiders uh, the Labor member uh, whose oh, name I've just has just escaped me, but who uh, basically got a little bit of phlegm in his throat or, or choked on his water or something during the interview and just soldiered on in to- the studio. In the studio, it was uh, it was Wayne Swan. Wayne Swan, that's right. Uh, and uh, what is with this election coverage and people not taking glasses of water? Howard has had the same problem in everything I've seen him on. He he gets about five or ten minutes in and he just starts clagging up, and you just think, for God's sake, just have a drink of water, please. We're, we're not going to think less of you or not vote for you just because you're human and either need to cough or have a glass of water. The thing the thing about Wayne Swan was it really looked like he needed to have a. Big yeah. cough, like well, a really he, he big kept, cough. He kept kind of going off and doing little coughs and just yeah, he just, just thinking. And, and then he come back and he was talking like this. And <laughs> maybe maybe uh, Howard's problem is that if he gets water on him, he starts melting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very surprised because he's made of sugar, <laughs> no, the oil of the future. <laughs> I, I was very surprised though that uh, that the that the government didn't use that and uh, show that bit of footage of him having trouble speaking and saying, "Oh, look, Labor are choking on their own policies." Because <laughs> that's about it, the level they've sunk to. It might their, be on the uh, it might be on John Howard's YouTube channel. Yeah, you, that's you never that's, know. I've, that's true. Well, have, apparently, have they've s- been releasing fake documents from from third parties. Um, one about uh, a rejection to one of Rudd's media advisors because he didn't know their their policy well enough, and and the letter from the car manufacturers yes. association. Yeah, so, yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, it's 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 like flies. You know when you're watching somebody, somebody get interviewed on TV and a, cry, a fly crawls across their face? <laughs> starts eating at the corner of their <laughs> yeah. mouth. And you just think, please, just swat it away. And they just, they just ignore and it. They stick they, their they tongue just, out and yeah. always touch it. <laughs> and I think that's because no one, no, no politician wants to be seen as the guy from the old Aragard ad who goes to the tennis and says, these flies! <laughs> Quiet, please. Somebody uh, pass the Aragard to the man in the third row. Uh, on the internets... TV on the internets at the moment, uh, I think starting today or maybe yesterday, so, so Monday our time or uh, Sunday our time or Tuesday our time, it's, it's all a little bit confusing, but it is on one of those three days, uh, the new show Quarter Life starts, which is the new kind of TV show, let's call it a TV show, mm-hmm. from the creators of 30-something and My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I... I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's, well, uh, it's so. It's out of the UK, not necessarily. No, Can we watch it here? No, it's, can everybody it's watch of, it everywhere? It's out of the US. That's where Thirty Something and My So Called Life came from. Uh, uh, sorry, I was thinking this life. life. 
and, and uh, there's some sort of interactive content. There is. is it's there? it's a new it's a new TV show and online community is what they're saying. I still haven't worked out how the online community works, mm. but uh, the the basic idea behind the show is that a girl starts a blog and starts blogging about her family and her friends and puts everything out there on the internet and uh, and we see how it affects everybody. So again, it's it's very much just a relationship drama. Mm. Uh, but it's not. It didn't go to any networks. Uh, I think uh, they air it one night on MySpace, mm-hmm. and uh, and the next night on the QuarterLife dot com site. Right. Okay. Uh, mm. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm mm. looking forward to to having a look. Speaking of internet content, I think the Lost um, Mobisodes mobile episodes start this week sometime. Uh, they apparently two three minute stories. About so the mobile the that, that lost or, or yes. some other series that lost? No, no, no. no. For lost. Okay. Yes. So, um, be interesting to see what they're like. And where, do you know where we can get those? No. On, on computers. On, on, yeah, on computers. Uh, also, speaking of kind of, of uh, internet content, did, uh, did either of you guys see the final Californication yet? No, not yet. No. And you're going to? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've got my IQ set up for it. So tonight <laughs> or next week? I won't, uh, I won't say anything. Oh, right. What, are yeah. you outraged? Are you going to join the Christians, I'm praying for their souls? I'll, uh, I'll talk to you about it next week. Okay. So, hang on, is that the one that's airing this week? Is, is yes, it's the season finale that aired uh, Monday night here in Australia. Monday night our time, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I've been talking a lot about Survivor in the last few weeks. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about hidden immunity idols. In right. this series, uh, hidden immunity idols kind of work, kind of don't work in Survivor. Usually, there've been just some amazing things with hidden immunity idols. Some of the funniest things I've ever seen on Survivor in this series. Well, absolutely we're, fantastic. We're apparently getting that series over summer uh, on Channel Nine, so mm. look forward to seeing that then. Yeah, so that's so that's worth having a look at. And I also want to uh, apologise to Stephen Boxcutter and any others. Uh, my box cutter's email keeps accusing people of being spam for some reason. Right, not really sure why. Right, that's uh, that's right. that's that's. It's not because, because it's too full, isn't it? it? Possibly. I had a word to you about that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I think it is because it's too full, but it still does keep a few. It, it keeps asking people to send back a, an email saying, like, if you send me an email that says, "Now send another one to prove that you're not spam." Oh really? Oh, that's because I did turn on Spam Assassin, but I don't think it does that. No, I didn't think it does that either. You also, Actually, have, to, you also you have to train Spam Assassin, Brett. And you've also got your. Did you turn on one of the other ones? Yeah, on your webmail. Okay, there you go. Uh, that it would be that. Mm. It would so, be that. Uh, yeah, I apologise about that. If you do want to email us, yes, hooray at boxcutters.net. Mm. It's a great way to do it. And uh, don't talk to us about uh, making penises bigger. Because that will be regarded as spam. <laughs> right, actually, if I haven't trained it, then nothing's getting through at all, apparently. <laughs> uh, I hate Kylie Minogue. Right. She's that doing brings so, us to the end of Box Cutters episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like some dynasty takeoff with her and Danny. Did you and see Danny. the footage of that? No, like, I saw pictures. I saw stills. I mean, we just never get rid of Kylie. She's just always around. She's just such an annoying little poppet. She's just... Her music's annoying. She's annoying. Great. She survived breast cancer. Good luck to her. So did lots of other people. Like, I'm just sick of her. She's yeah. But did they go on everywhere. tour afterwards? <laughs> and now she's doing a now she's doing a Kylie show, which is all like songs interspersed with little comedy skits that they showed. Doing live. 
Oh, that's so Judy Garland of her. They showed it in uh, in uh, in the UK during the week, and that's what they did. They did the dynasty takeoff of her, and and there was another thing, Danny, uh, complete with just the most wretched, false, canned laughter in the soundtrack. It was just hideous. And there was also a picture of uh, Charlene at forty, the, yes. the old neighbours yes, character, and they did a hilarious thing with Jason Donovan where he she said hello to him in the corridor and. He mistook her for an autograph hunter or something. That's hilarious. Mm. Well, it's been a great week of television, hasn't it? <laughs> that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode one hundred. Always finish on a high. Yeah, that's golden. Thanks, that's that's the worm going down right there, Ross. <laughs> you want me to talk about Californication? <laughs> uh, no, I want to see the show. We'll wait until next week. Yeah, but you want to end on a high. Uh, no, uh, well, well, let's just say, <laughs> oh, oh, oh what, what a great story that was. And that brings, us to, the end. Sleep. That brings <laughs> us to the end of Box Cutters episode 110. You can email us, hooray at boxcutters.net. I want to say thanks to Tom Elliott for coming in and setting us straight on the Writers Guild strike in the US. Champ. And good to uh, hear you putting up less resistance for uh, their cause. I, was, I wasn't pointing up resistance for their... Co- it, it, yes, it, you were. You were saying it was outrageous the show, that the Writers Guild were taking action the because they of, should just get paid He made his position more. quite clear that they should all move to New Zealand and be done. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the show is no time to bring that up, Brett. <laughs> Skip back to the beginning. Uh, I also want to say thanks to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. They give us stuff to give to you and they make bags and things like that. You can check them out on the net at crumpler.com.au. Also, thanks to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. Check them out at rrr.org.au. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. Ross McQueen. I continue to be Brett Crumpley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs>